back to another episode of the Art versus Commerce podcast. And this week we are sitting down with Todd Weissman Jr. He is uh, the co-owner of Hayden 5 and Man with a Cam. It's interesting getting into types of guests that are not only on the filmmaking side in terms of... Um, you know, directing or cinematography, but also on the producing side. A lot of these conversations that I've been having recently that are going to start coming up, it's fascinating. I've always been working with producers, but I haven't been able to appreciate how much they enjoy the aspects of what they do because they enjoy facilitating others. And my conversation with Todd was pretty eye-opening to that because the energy that he had talking about it, it was palpable that he really enjoyed working with other directors and ha helping other people's um, ideas and projects either come to life because they came right at the beginning or a product came to them that was already shot and it's about finding a home for it either in festivals or bringing it to the finish line and, and touching up, you know, whatever final edits need to happen and then packaging it and stuff like that. And so it's fascinating talking to people who really enjoy those aspects and who, I mean, we all need them. If you're a director or a cinematographer, I mean, to have these people that really help bring it down the home stretch, um, these guys are your saviors at that point. And he and he loves doing it, as well as he's also a filmmaker, which is cool because I don't I think that it takes a certain kind of brain to kind of do both and enjoy both and, and really want to be doing both. And that's what Todd brings to the table. So he's an NYU film school graduate. Then he went kind of immediately into his own business, which we uh, we talk about how that all came together. And at this point, you know, one of his most recent works is a short film that he's been producing that has Oscar Isaac and Kristen Wiggin. And I mean, what else can you say? He's had three short films in Tribeca Film Festival, uh, three different years. So the guy is a part of this world for sure. And it's interesting hearing how he created two different businesses to kind of help each other out and to kind of allow him to still have time to be writing and making his own creative works because at that point it really becomes an insane feat of time management, which it sounds like he's managing to figure out. So it was really great sitting down with him. Always great talking to someone who is totally passionate and psyched about what they're doing. And that's definitely Todd. Also, in some housekeeping, just to um, get better at talking about that, if you guys can like and comment in iTunes for the show, that would really help uh, project us further outward. And uh, if you could follow us on social media, pretty much every social handle is ABC Pod. And so if you uh, give a like or a follow, that would be great. And um, this episode was produced by Courtney Ryan. Any inquiries, questions, or you know, ideas for, for new guests, you can email her at Courtney at avcpod.com. So this week, Todd Weissman Jr. of Hayden 5, as always, thanks for being here. We had the VHS cam and I would make little horror films with all my uh, siblings, cousins, neighbors, whoever was around. It, it was basically the same premise every time. Uh, everyone dies. All my actors, <laughs> all my actors were kids. So, and I wanted it to be real. So the premise was like Home Alone. You know, babysitter dies first. Always. <laughs> and then, and then it's one by one until we we avenge their deaths by like killing the killer. Where did the that you were being influenced by who were your parents encouraging it or like where where would you getting the idea that you could even make this stuff? I don't know. I have no idea. Just picked up the camera and we started making videos. I don't know where the inspiration came from. It was just something to do. I was basically editing in camera. You know, you do a shot, you cut. Yeah. And do another shot, cut, and that. And if you mess up in the tape, there would be like a second of like a bad take. 
<laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And you had no choice. You'd have to rewind and do time code. And then eventually it got, you know, we got real high tech. And we started bringing, like later on, we brought a CD player around with time code on it. And we'd stop at the same time we cut for music. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then do it again. You know, pick it up as I say, go. So I mean, how many of those were you making? I don't know. There's probably a dozen or so on That's the VHS amazing. cam. Yeah. When you, but as you were growing up, it kept, yeah, kept going with that? Yeah, yeah. Then, you know, as I became a teenager, I got... My first, I got my first, uh, I don't know what even the camera was, but the next camera that wasn't VHS when I was like 12, I want to say. Mm-hmm. That's the picture I should give you. Yeah. Because that was the same year I just, I realized I wanted a wife beater shirt. And okay. I told my dad, I was like, I want a wife beater. And he was like, I'm not getting you that. Absolutely not. I was like, no, it's a shirt. It's like a really cool, tight, you know what I'm talking about? The of course beater. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. He, you look at me like he looked at me. He was like, I'm not getting you that. So there's a picture of me with my wife beater well, it's on. Like, Listen, next year, dad, I'm going to be a teenager. <laughs> yeah. And like, things around here are going to change. <laughs> yeah. Oh, did they? And then, yeah. Yeah. So then I got my camera and, you know, I started making more complex Oh, all right. Little so you were like hardcore, a little kid filmmaker. Yeah, but Without, I never wanted to do it. I just it was just for, why it was just that fun. Seems crazy to me. It's just something fun to do. Like you have everybody over. You weren't thinking about I'm going to be doing this no, later. Never. Not until I was six. When I was sixteen, then I decided. Okay. So, so that, that's that teenager, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But like in the early days, it was just for fun, man. No, 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 definitely. Yeah. But it, when it got to that point that you were deciding you were going to do it, why? Like, did you come from a family of artists, or were they in more traditional jobs? Dad's salesman a great one uh slash entrepreneur he had invented all these different products you know we're gonna strike it rich one of these days but they're all really cool uh and mom's a teacher all right sort of one side of the family's teachers and then the other side is sales uh but my dad did work in actually he worked in local tv sales so that's probably well because i was gonna say it wasn't like the idea of doing film was foreign no, no. Actually, as a kid, you know, I'd get to pop in the local TV station and saw the green screen and saw the cameras. But I think only now that's all clicking. Like, oh, that's probably why at 16 it all Well, yeah, it's funny. Together. When you're in the moment, you don't even realize, like, how the wind is blowing and in what direction you're kind of, like, just doing it. Yeah, exactly. There was... Um, I had a really great TV production teacher in high school and we had a program. We had a live morning show. Mm-hmm. It was dope. Mm-hmm. And so... Where'd you grow up? Tampa, Florida, God's gift to America. Ain't that the truth? Yeah. And so you know, I, I would get the camera, go on assignments and tell stories about like the fishing club. Yeah. And <clears throat> All right. So yeah. you, you've been in it from the beginning. I it's guess. Seen, yeah. yeah, for sure. Way more than the most, most people that I've spoken to, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. like, this is the most pure I've been making stuff since I possibly could scenario. Yeah, I guess. That turned into ways to make money, though. What in, do you mean? In high school. So it started. So there were a lot of fights in my high school. Tampa. Tampa. And we'd all know about them and we'd know where, when, Oh, everything. like prior. Scheduled fights. Yeah, oh yeah, scheduled fights, sometimes flyers and everything. It was it was, was kind of sick thinking back on it, but there was no YouTube. <laughs> and I would um, take the school camera and I would go and film the fights and then I would charge people five bucks to come over to my house and watch. That's amazing. If they missed it. One person paid me twice. That, <laughs> and, and you took the money. Hell yeah. You see, because I was, I mean, this is going to be later on, I'm sure, when we get there, but I was always wondering, because filmmaking doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be good at running a production company. Like, there's sure. two completely different skill sets, but this is, these are the seeds I could, I could tell. Oh, yeah. The, the <laughs> entrepreneur, well, you know, your dad being in sales, that, yeah, that yeah. tends to make sense. When you were going into, you went to NYU Film School. Mm-hmm. When you were going into it, what were your initial hopes? Like, what, what, uh, what were you wanting to do? I wanted to walk out with the three-picture deal and be, you know, 
oh, be yeah. Spielberg. Just small things. Yeah, that's what I wanted. And what happened? Something totally different. Uh, a totally oh, different adventure has transpired, and it's been awesome. Oh, totally. you mean post-NYU? Yeah, yeah. Well, it evolved as I got, you know, as I, that was day one. I wanted to walk out with a three-picture deal. Yeah. By the end of film school, I wanted to pay my rent <laughs> and, you know, start a career. Ate some humble pie. Sound like it was oh, yeah. good. Was there anything that happened within that that you realized that was, you know, something that was okay? More uh, than okay? What you wanted? Um, yeah. You know what? It turned out that I love making anything, you know, short videos, long videos. And towards the end of college, and it's not really a secret now, but, you know, we all smoked a little weed back then. Mm-hmm. And actually... Oh, it's practically legal here. Yeah. and Depending on where you're listening, it's legal where you are. Someone I knew in the biz, can't say who, connected me to someone else who happened to be Joel Santana. He needed a video. And I was like, all right, cool. I love Dipset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so right towards the end of college, you know, all throughout we were producing other people's short films and we ended up shooting some spec commercials. Like we started to get the sense that we needed like a reel towards mm-hmm. the end of it. Went out, directed this Joel Santana video and that's a long story. Rap videos tend to not be easily yeah. E- explained. Yeah. It's on BET. Um, I mean, success. Joel Santana Yeah, yeah. And then like it finally airs on BET and it's like directed by Todd Wiseman and Joel Santana. And I was like, what? <laughs> that was me, man. Anyway, it was him. But the film school story is a lot longer than, than no, that. I'm sure. No, I'm sure. No, no, that's okay. I mean, I get the point. And that was probably your first lesson in how sticky credits can get. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You got to have thick skin now. But mm-hmm. The real story of NYU is between me and Milos, who is my business partner, partner in crime, Mm -hmm. in life. And we were neighbors freshman year in Hayden Hall on the fifth floor. And that was sort of the beginning of Hayden 5, which is our first company and now is our film and TV company. Yeah. Well, because I wanted to ask, so when you got out, was it something that you were going into freelancing and you were just going to start doing so, that kind of work? Yeah, Milos and I were roommates at a time, living in the East Village, and we decided, you know, we didn't, we're not like coming from mega rich families or anything like that. <clears throat> I had to pay my own rent at that point. Pretty sure he did too. We had a camera. I could edit. He could shoot. Directed. We both produced. And we were like, we can either get jobs continue freelancing or you know give this thing a name and give it a shot and that's what we did so you formed a company seems like very quickly out of college yeah it was day it was basically day one because we finished actually a semester early you never really did freelance you kind of just went into trying to have your own entity from the beginning yeah we were an entity right right out of the gates we took three grand i swiped mine half on a credit card we got business cards website and an llc and we were like we are hayden five and none of that (laughs) none of that was over your head Oh, of course. It's all over our head. Yeah, we didn't know what to do. But that's the thing. It was an education. Uh, It's been an eight-year-long education, Mm -hmm. you know, from day one. No, in the beginning, we had no idea what we were doing. People want to help you when you get out. And there were a lot of people were like, Well, I was going to say, weren't you, especially being at NYU, where you are surrounded by a lot of people who are going to go on to have big careers, and they're they're all quite talented. Because I got to believe in the beginning, being freelance and being a gun for hire helps you ascend faster, maybe at the beginning. Obviously, the the more, like, you built Hayden 5 into something. great so it's worked out but like in that early stuff are you seeing other people getting big opportunities because they're able to just sign on as themselves but you were a part of something bigger than yourself and did it ever seem like it was impeding your own growth or 
Is that not a part of the equation? Do you mean would hate and fight would the entity impede my own personal growth? As, like yes, as, as an as, artist or as, as an artist or a filmmaker or like the opportunities coming your way because it always had to be through this bigger entity and people just wanted to like work with you personally. Did oh, that ever? Not really. I mean, it has been a vessel for my creative projects. Milos's creative projects are mutual creative projects all the way since from the beginning, and it was through college too. We were always doing our own projects, so no, it was a vessel. It was a it's brand. Nat- a natural progression. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's not like people were banging down my door to come direct, you know, some something. Yeah. We were we had a hustle, you know, for every single gig. <laughs> when you when you started up Hayden Five officially, yeah. the LLC and all, I mean, what happened? How did that, it, how did it turn into something Yeah. Well, because I, I, I find that a lot of people are like, yeah, and in the first three months, nothing happened. We well, were freaking we, out. We had to make something happen. We had to make money. So when the so we incorporated and got a bank account and had business cards and a website. That, that, that doesn't mean anything. But it was 2009. It was the height of the recession. Digital video had begun to explode. And everyone wanted a high quality video for cheap. And we had our hands way up in the air like, pick us. You know, the broadcast boys and the old school guys, like, they didn't want any of that. Even the traditional production You were production in a position companies. to undercut everybody. Yeah. We didn't have anything, really. We were just down to work. So some gigs, even, we'd go out individually. Like, there were there were freelance situations where Milos would go shoot. I would edit something. But no matter what, that money would go into the pot. And the pot would, you know, pay our rents. And then we, we always said our company was our baby. Milos is a real baby now, <laughs> but before, so, so oh, like, he has a real baby. Yeah. I thought you said Milos has become a real baby. I'm like, well, that's oh no, he's not. I got you. So like, let's say we made a thousand dollars. A third would go to me. Third would go to him. Third would go to the baby, the company. And we keep it in the pot because eventually we need, we're going to need that money to grow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's how it evolved. Our first gig was a bowling commercial. First real gig for five grand. And it was for Bowmore Lanes who's still our client today and who that's know, amazing we bill They've a been lot your, more well yeah they've been your client for eight years yeah and, you, and now they're the biggest so at that time it was one bowling alley now it's know, well over a yeah they're huge they bought amf so yeah, they're the biggest no, bowling they're like the bowling conglomerate yeah yeah and the ceo gave us a shot tom and he was like go for it and we knocked it out of the park we spent you know almost all of that money on the video yeah because we wanted to you know yeah yeah have an ad have I mean, five real- grand doesn't go a long way <laughs> No, we were barely making any money yeah. at the time uh, and just hustling. And we were honestly, we were on Craigslist. We were looking on Craigslist every day for gigs and it worked. That it worked. worked. And like we were saying before, the business side of things, the negotiating and all of that, you got that from being the son of a salesman? Milo's an amazing businessman too, but we didn't start out like that. Yeah, yeah. We got burned a couple of times, learned mm-hmm. from that. We got our money taken a couple of times, learned from that, made some bad deals, learned from that. Really trial by fire. When did you start to feel like it was going to be like that, that it was doing okay, that it was going to be a real thing? It would honestly. Do you feel that way yet? No. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now I can sleep at night. But there were times in the beginning where, you know, we were going to run out of money or we were owed money, but it wasn't going to come in time and we had to make payroll. Mm -hmm. So those early days were scary. I remember that feeling. I never want to feel it again. Yeah. You know, but in the early days, obviously, we didn't. Was there a breakthrough moment? That, like, I, that's the thing. There was one moment about a year in when we had it. We had renting our first office for 500 bucks a month when through Craigslist, we booked like a $30,000 economist job. And it was like a ton of shoots. We had to do like 15 shoots, like all the edits. The magazine? Yeah. You know, for like interviews and stuff. Yeah, yeah. We thought we hit the lottery. Yeah. We were like, we are... <laughs> 
we are rich. Yeah. And then we, there was another moment where we sold a show to MTV that never got made. Those two things happened around the same time. What show was that? It was called Paranormal Patrol. The concept was, it was at the height of all the paranormal shows. Yeah, I forgot that. Yeah, and the concept was, it was a prank show, so like, you think your house is haunted, so we come over with a team of paranormal investigators, but they're actually all improv actor, comedian people, and but you're, you think the situation's real, you go away, we bug your house, and then we go on like a ghost hunt, but then shit actually happens, basically. Yeah. That was the concept. Guy George McTeague over at MTV was like, love it. He was a crank anchors guy. He's like, love it, bought it. You know, we we were again, we thought we hit the jackpot. Then we found out Viacom pays on a net ninety. We're like, what's a net ninety? Uh, and then we got the paperwork and they're like, go over to this production company because they're gonna make it. You know, it, nothing happened. Yeah. But the experience was invaluable. And so and then same with the economist thing. We hit we started making money a little bit more than we were making before, and it felt good. And then when we, that when that started happening, I mean, were there was there a bigger goal in mind as all of this is going on that were you leading it towards something specific how are you defining your creative growth what what what, what symbolized good creative growth hmm. i mean for a while there it was just kill or be killed let's let's just make money always we're reading scripts writing scripts trying to develop shows like that has always been uh happening from the very beginning till now but you know unlike a lot of our peers out of film school we didn't have a trust fund and we had to make our own money so that forced us to become businessmen somewhere along the way yeah we, we had to sue somebody <laughs> it was like, we were like whoa put Can on my t- suit what happened they had to sue somebody, somebody somebody didn't pay we needed the money yeah, they didn't yeah. pay they folded their operation we sued them we won and then we didn't get the money I have the same story. That's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So now, now really you just have to, it's never happened again. Mm-hmm. You just have to choose wisely who you do business with. Yes. You know? At some point between what you're talking about now and where you are now, like things started happening in terms of getting things into Tribeca and yeah. getting things into Sundance or... Never Sundance. No, never Sundance, Tribeca. Mm-hmm. Um, what was that arc like to get to a place where you started to make work that was industry accepted as... Very good. It took a while. It took us a while. Um, once we got a little more established, we had a little bit more capital, a little bit more time. The first thing that we got into Tribeca was The Exit Room, which is a short that I directed. We worked with amazing Christopher Abbott. Um, I was like, cried when we got into Tribeca. It was like, yes, you know, a creative thing that we dreamt up, got some recognition. That took years to get, just to be able to take the time, take a little bit of money and make something. Took a long time. Um, for for me, for me, a long time. Like, what do, what do you mean by that exactly? Like, from day one out of school, I didn't have a pocket of money. I had a million ideas. I would have made a ton of shorts, and we would have made features. Oh, it we, took a lot of time until you could finally make the first thing. Yeah, yeah, it took a while. How to, long do you think? How long was that? Um, four years. Yeah, well, because you, you weren't going to do it until you had the infrastructure to do it right. I, correct or no? We would have done it if we had time, money, everything aligned. We did creative projects in between. We'd shoot sizzles for shows. We, that was our thing. We were like, we're going to get a show on the air. Now, if you were to offer us a reality show and just be like, here you go, we would say no. <laughs> we would never want to be be in that game. But no, that was uh, great for us. And then they started, then we did a lot more, um, which was fun. A lot more in terms of... We started... Somehow we were able to get... Do some really great shorts. I got great recognition. Uh, The last short that we have out right now stars Oscar Isaac. You get some cool talent to be in it. Work with great filmmakers, other directors. Well, yeah, because I was going to say, when you were making that first one, Mm. did you feel at any... Like, was there a point in the production that you felt like, you know, where where something special is happening? Or no? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you remember when? The most important thing that happened was saying action everything looks good and whatever and just letting the actor act 
and just being blown away. I was blown away by this guy. The only thing I had seen from Chris Abbott was girls and a couple scenes in Martha Marcy May Marlene. Okay. And then, you know, then we do this little thriller where he's being basically tortured and the guy is just blowing my mind. I'm like, there'll never be a point that where I can tell you how to act. You act. I, you know, we roll the cameras and do our thing. Yeah. How'd you get him? We got him. I had a, initially wanted to, we had Michael Pitt come by the studio. We had the studio at that point. Michael Pitt was there shooting something uh, for Vanity Fair with this crazy photographer guy named Yutsai, who's like an amazing guy, but he was like screaming. And anyway, I was like, Michael Pitt, it was Boardwalk Empire was out. I had written the script. And I was like, I want Michael Pitt. Then we reached out through our casting director, Matt Wolf, who's still our casting director today, has been all the way from the very beginning from film school. So it seems like there was a lot of relying in a great way. And I mean, this is half the point of going to film school on your people that you graduate with who then end up doing big things. And for your passion stuff, you could pull together scenarios that are punching way above weight. Yeah, all the time. Right. Matt Wolf was a, didn't go to NYU with us, but I flipped open for my college film, which is an Iraq war like epic. We got a free helicopter and everything. It was nuts. We were flipping through the New York 411. Remember that book? I yeah. guess it's still around. And I'm like casting, casting, casting. At the time, he worked for a place called Impossible Casting. And I needed a baby to be in a scene, a birth scene. So I'm like, those are my guys. I call them. They're like, come on down to the office. And I met the, you know, the casting guys. Ever, I've been working with them ever since. Well, with Matt Wolf. They parted ways. The other guy's a great guy too, Craig, uh, for the record. Yeah. No, that, that, it's, just, it's interesting in terms of... I get, and maybe it's because you went to NYU Film School, but there's this, even from the beginning, the filmmaking has been done by you and Milo in a legitimate way that it's done with like industry standards. But that's not the case with everyone, like where they're either coming up because they're coming up commercially and they're doing like some passion stuff on the side. Mm -hmm. But I mean, the, even your first short, you're using a real casting director. I guess that, that has to just come from your, the educational background and like the understanding of, of how things are done and having the connections to do it. I guess, yeah, the education, definitely a part of it. But the other part of it is making commercials. We were making commercials. We were casting commercials. Yeah. And then, you know, so you know how to run a set. You know how to run a set from film school when you're out there producing, you know, on a rudimentary level. Yeah, yeah, it's not, it's not going to, it's not the same as yeah, when you're Yeah, it's just experience, you know. By the time you're out there shooting something you want to shoot and mm -hmm. a plastic bag commercial, which I actually did. A plastic direct bag? Direct a plastic bag commercial. Um, yeah, so you feel alive. It's great. <laughs> um. When Tribeca, when it got into Tribeca, was there? How did, do you feel like you capitalized on the experience? That's a good question. I I was so thrilled, and they treat you like royalty. And then it went on. They went to Telluride. I was like, you know, with all my favorite directors were all there. I don't know. Capitalize? Maybe not. I mean, I guess if you're gonna really do it, if if that was the only thing I was doing at the time, uh, I probably would have had a feature script in my back pocket, and maybe could have parlayed that. I'm glad I didn't. I think it, the way that things worked out, they worked out better mm. long term. They, they they tell all the filmmakers that you're short film, you better have a feature ready to go. I think in some cases that's true and others, you're, maybe you're just not ready. Why were, yeah, why were you better to not have it? Because of what happened in the last four years. You're since, just happy with what happened? Since then. Yeah, I'm very happy with what happened. I think when I go direct my feature, which is like, yeah, as everybody says that shit. Yeah. Um, in the next couple of years, like I'll be ready. I'll have a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have some time and it'll be great. Well, what happened? Well, let's hope. Yeah, let's hope. <laughs> what, what happened after the first one? And how'd you get, how did you get to the second one? The second one, well, then we produced, we work, we work sometimes with these guys from Last Pictures who are awesome filmmakers. They're all uh, Chad, Bobby, those guys are out making their directing. They've directed a few features. We did one with them that had Fred Armisen in it, which is great. It helps to have a celebrity in your short film. 
film. Certainly. Big time. Mm-hmm. I don't care what anybody says. It's, you should have a great actor, but it helps, you know, when you have a name that people recognize. And then we, did, we love documentary also. Yeah. Our latest last one that was there is called We Live This. It's about the subway dancers. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, I know um, the cinematographer, Barris, right? Yeah, yeah. Very good, very good cinematographer. I had met James Burns, the director, through mutual friend who owns a restaurant nearby. I was like, gotta meet this guy. Like, filmmakers got a crazy story that's i love working with people like that Matt James. i was gonna say like it's it's interesting for me too that how open you are to producing something versus directing oh yeah well producing is so amazing and you get to do something like i wouldn't have done that job directing we live this or you know it's Light really good I, I i finally watched the final cut oh awesome. because i am friends with barris i saw like earlier cuts and knowing that we were going to sit down i watched the final cut and it's oh, cool it's fantastic. Awesome. James, James is a phenomenal filmmaker. For us, we love the opportunity to produce for other interesting, great directors. We foster relationships with yeah. them. James is well on his way now. He's directing shows for Vice and he's got some exciting stuff coming up. That I get excited about. I'm just as excited about that as as uh, directing something. You're okay, like getting down because producing can get you know your neck deep in the minutia of logistics or bullshit. Like I mean, you're yeah. you're you're cleaning up the bullshit so the director can make his thing. You're, yeah, you're, you're, sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. I mean, you're like that's cool. You're down. Well, I don't like bullshit. Nobody <laughs> likes bullshit. But I, you know, it's fun. It's different, but it's fun. Yes. Yeah. That's also why you can be content on a day like today mm-hmm. where I've answered a million emails, had a bunch of calls, took a couple meetings. That's still rewarding to me, even though I'm not on set yelling action and seeing the guns shoot blanks. That's yeah. really fun, too. The moving and shaking <laughs> aspect is another thing to enjoy. Yeah. To be busy is man's only happiness. There you go. It's not my quote. That's the pull quote. Yeah. Um, no, that's cool though, man. Because I was wondering about that because I don't, I haven't sat down with many people who are doing both of those things and equally enjoying them in terms of like, if I'm talking with a director, I don't think that they're really interested in producing mm. work that isn't their own. Right. Like they, they might produce something because it's their baby and like whatever it takes to get it done, but that's yeah. wholly different than someone else's baby. Well, we had to learn to be flexible really early. So if I thought it was God's gift to directing out of film school, which I'm not, and held out, a lot of our you know, great collaborators and really fantastic directors chose to do that, right? They're not going to produce anything else. They're not going to direct a plastic bag commercial. They're not going to, you know, they're just going to direct their movie. And when it happens, it happens. Guess what? Like, unless you have an endless supply of money, you got to eat. Um, and you have to find other ways to use your craft to have an income. That was how it began along the way turned out really enjoyed sales love telling some company about my business and getting them to give me money and i give them a great product that's really fun for me as well Mm. like i feel like i know the advertising industry in and out you know the agency world the pitfalls the bullshit triple bids stuff like that with man with a cam which i guess we'll talk about we found a little opening that wasn't really being taken advantage of well yeah well that was interesting because i mean i know that you have this company man with a cam and i was like you know how much is there to talk about it but now i realize that like half your brain is spent enjoying the business side as much as the artistic side yeah for sure for sure i mean there are long days and i'm like man i would much have rather you know been back on our mariah carey set watching her uh, that's a whole nother story but i there, <laughs> i don't there, imagine anything with her is an interesting she story. got injured she broke like oh my god she broke like a rib and her shoulder on our set how when i tell that story that's a great story i i mean yeah tell that we story were, so <laughs> we have been i've been making shoe commercials with nick cannon for a while i love nick cannon i think he's one of the best famous people that i know in terms of like being a good human okay yeah so he was directing he hit us up like right before fourth of july or on fourth of july i think he was like hey like directing a video for mariah they were married at the time uh-huh. 
like in four days. Can you guys put it together? His guy, Jordan Crafton, who's a great guy, teed it up with us and we produced it together. Anyway, we're shooting the video. She only works with one DP. This guy, Bill Boatman, I think is his name. Sweet guy. Mm-hmm. Everyone else, we crewed up. We're shooting the video. We're shooting at a club called Avenue uh, on the west side. There's a really high bar where you order drinks. She's laying on the bar. Uh, it's young Jeezy's there. And like a lot of the monitors, she liked to see the monitors, you know. To see her what she looked like in camera. Mm-hmm. And she reaches, like reaches for young Jeezy and then just like overreaches and falls off. Just And she had her phantom rolling, like running outside the whole time. We're like, why is that car running? You know, so bad for the vibrant. Nope, it was perfect. As soon as she got hurt, she was whisked away. She was in the phantom. She was at the ER getting fixed up. We wrapped the video, sent young Jeezy home, literally packing the truck. She came back and finished the shoot. Yeah. That's a pro. We just wrapped some feathers over her uh, sling. Just gave her like a boa. Yeah, she looked good, man. She's a pro. She always looks good. She's a pro. So that stuff is fun. Like in, that's amazing. And in, in when you're in the thick of production and mm-hmm. like you know, you, you and to... you, Nick Cannon was directing that. Yeah, you were just producing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I could see where that's fun, just because I mean, it's such a an interesting experience. Yeah, no yeah. matter the, what, the directing... like not not being the director on it at that point, it doesn't take away from how yeah unique and fascinating that can be. I've directed a ton of music videos. They're just so it's so fun. You have total creative control, basically, mm-hmm. to a certain point. Yeah, yeah. The beauty about bidding on a music video is best idea wins. Mm. Here's the budget. Here's a song. The artist is in the video or they're not. We like this stuff. Write us your best idea. Best idea wins. And you're on set. You're just shooting and creating. And that's awesome. I think I did one last year for a, a former intern who's now a famous DJ. <laughs> like, I think it's really fun to direct music videos. So that's just fun. The grind part. Yeah. So, yeah, sure, it gets old sometimes, but then when you see growth and when you get people jobs and when you get a, a new client or like a new contract. Growth in your business, you yeah, mean? Yeah, it's really... And being able to employ people. Being able to employ people and, yeah, and having like a 401k. That's dope. You know, and I wouldn't say that eight years ago when I was 21, but now it matters, sort of. Yeah, no, yeah. for sure. I mean, in terms of having that... Um to be building something outside yeah. of what I've been having a conversation with freelancers who ended up creating some sort of platform for themselves, whether it's a full-blown company or just something bigger than a single entity, because it going from disparate job to disparate job can kind of run its course in terms of that being fulfilling or exciting mm-hmm. versus having... You know, building something in the stability of that can have its mental benefits. Yeah, for sure. But you still have to be finding some time to progress creative projects. We're always... How are you doing that? We're doing that. I mean, we got fortunate in the fact that a lot of people want to come share their ideas with us or pitch us stuff. And I, yeah, I guess that is the benefit of, you know, questioning of wanting to produce other people's stuff. Mm-hmm. And I could see in the beginning being more afraid of that. But now having the reputation, people are coming to you with opportunities you never would have got if they knew you were only going to want to direct it. Yeah. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let the director direct, writers write, see what comes in the door. Um, some great opportunities have come out of that. We have two things which I can't talk about now, which hopefully will happen. You never, yeah, that's yeah, one yeah. thing I learned about this. <laughs> this don't is, talk about anything. You don't say anything until like the movie's out or mm-hmm. it's on the air and the money's in the bank. I've seen so many things almost happen that mm. it's kind of depressing. Yeah, I was going to ask, I don't even know about this question anymore because I thought when I had seen the website that there's Oscar Isaac and Kristen Wiig and I was like, okay, you worked up to a point that you're now dealing with 
these type that caliber of actor and what the changes on your set or in your approach do you think you went through as you went from indie actors to like mainstream talent and if anything changed either in your creative ideas or execution but it kind of feels like you were dealing with that type of talent from the beginning or was there still some sort of transition because I'm curious about that in terms of as the jobs got bigger and as you started to now be you know you've had a few things in Tribeca and people are coming to you did anything change because the scope may have changed I don't know. At the end of the day, production is still the same. And when you're dealing with someone like that's written and directed by Brian Petzos, who's an amazing writer director. Yeah, the the, the, the trailer shows. looks fantastic. It's cool. It's a cool film. It looks it's still really out good. on the out on the circuit. Oscar Isaac is a beast. Yeah, he's great. I mean, it's that was still on an indie level, even though I had big names. Like his green room was still a room in the apartment that we rented to shoot. The, you know, still, yeah, yeah, yeah. Still small, so I don't know. I've seen what the real stuff looks like. I shadowed a little bit on like House of Cards. Like that's that's big league. Yeah. So it's, the fact that you're using that type of talent, it's still within a world that seems a bit the same in a good way i mean that's indie right yeah i guess i mean yeah i don't know if i understand the question the the job is still the same mm-hmm. still the same job so. i don't know if you're if the approach has changed at all but i guess it's i'm hearing that it just hasn't no i mean there's a little bit more to do on the front end mm-hmm. when you're dealing with a talent like that you know agents and managers need to check things off a of list and mm-hmm. but other than that no because you know i've dealt with a lot more high profile talent on the commercial side and the music video side yeah you know it's sort of the same yeah um, it seemed that it just kind of hit the ground running and it hasn't stopped. Were, were there things that in, in terms of the ascendancy or a project that came along, was there anything where you were feeling like daunted or like there was a, a certain level of this needs to go well or you're quite scared? In over our heads? Yeah. Um, for sure. Yeah. I'm trying to think of you know, something in particular. I think the first time when we had like you know, our first like six figure budget, we're going to blow a hundred grand in a day. That's nerve wracking. You know, when you, you can't lose somebody's money, mm-hmm. especially on a big commercial set or something like that. Um, I'd say the hardest thing through the whole journey has been, so there's always Hayden Five. Hayden Five would do all the commercials, all the music videos, whatever creative projects. But Man With A Cam was like a service of Hayden Five when we first started because people would call us and say, hey, can you do a little shoot in San Francisco or Dallas for like two grand? And we're like, okay, we can't fly out there. We can't do that. We won't make any money. We'll waste a lot of time. So we started finding, vetting, hiring local videographers. And that was a service. Later on, a few years later, we incorporated that company and incubated it within Hayden Five. And a little ways in, it started to work like in a big way and became popular. And then I think I had like eight full-time people at Hayden Five. We were just churning out content, whatever, everything. And it was it was a time suck. Overhead was huge. Mm-hmm. We had to make a ton of money just to keep the lights on. But then we saw this other thing start to happen. That was, is truly a nuts and bolts. It's a staffing business, man, with a cam. Yeah, yeah. Last year, we have thousands of shoots. That, at one point, I had it's to leveraging, stop. <clears throat> it's leveraging your freedom with Hayden Five? now it has worked out but at the time I even enjoyed going out and directing the plastic bag commercial because you're still on set you're still doing something you're still sort of on set making something yeah and at one point we had to make a really hard decision which was to stop taking that work at Hayden 5 funnel a lot more time into Man With A Cam and because we saw it working and we knew that it was going to take a couple of years to transition. What did it look like when, you, when it was working? What does working look like at that early stage? You know, just being booked. You're being booked a lot and people are like, wow, this service exists. Can you do this? And we're like, yeah, sure, we can do that. And we started building a system and it's evolved into this like little beast. Yeah. 
I mean, it starts working when, you know, started working when we're generating millions of dollars, which is what has happened over the last few years through a man with a cam, which was our a little side service. And then became really real, really fast. And we were like, wow, this is cool. So then we were able to kind of move Hayden 5 back into the creative category, which is where it rests now, which is film, TV, and that's it, basically. That's awesome, though. You found a way to allow Hayden 5, like it's the engine for Hayden 5, basically. Or- yeah, in a way, you can absolutely say that. That's the engine. That's all of our staff is staff at Man With A Cam. We have our film studio there. Hayden 5 is our development creative mm-hmm. company where mm-hmm. we'll bring in you know the fun stuff man the cam does fun stuff too it's just different well yeah yeah and smaller They're projects smaller. it sounds like it's smaller projects we do a lot of like experiential marketing videos tons yeah, yeah. of internal videos we actually do all of the video crews at tribeca film festival now <laughs> staff 40 people for 10 days or whatever there's some really rewarding stuff with man with a cam memorial stone kettering has this thing called cycle for survival where we do all their all their 40 cities were matching the cameras, matching the crews, coordinating everything. Oh my God. They, they're a rare cancer insane. research. Yeah, they actually helped get my sister, my little sister uh, in Tip Top last year to be a really rare cancer. So we have like great, you know, great relationships with companies that wouldn't be able to do this unless we existed. That's what we we think. We think we offer a pretty unique, you know, yeah. single vendor staffing No, and I could see from being solution. the owner of that, the pride that comes from that, just from on the business side, it doesn't need to be some sort of creative thing only to get you feeling like you're yeah doing something that you enjoy yeah the other thing is you know giving uh, a bunch of people gigs mm-hmm. you know a few thousand people a gig that's really cool too over the years we worked the same people in the same cities for so long like you get to see you know they get married they have kids and we're you know helping in some way you contributing with a client or with a job that they otherwise might not have gotten yeah because you know if they're in the middle of the country even if they're in new york or la it's hard for a big company to go hire joe or sarah oh or whoever. no I, yeah no it, it makes so much sense mm. like it, it seems quite obvious i'm it's interesting that you guys are the are you the first to do it or, no there, are there, there, are, there are platforms you can book crews there are others for sure i think we fill the kind of more specific mm-hmm. is it niche or niche i never know you got a buddy named niche oh that makes it complicated yeah mm. i'll say niche yeah um How are you, I'm just impressed by the time management because running both of these things and producing for other people, how are you finding the time or even not just the time to do it physically, but also like to get the enough muse to like then go write something. Mm, That's really hard. I don't know. I don't, it's not like I go home and write a lot, but uh, I'm also a single man, but Milos has married with a kid. He's done it just fine. (laughs) He's been able to manage, manage all the time. I don't know. You got to take time for yourself. From the very beginning, we always make sure to. Are you like specifically approaching something where like I need to write a certain amount a week? Me? No, no, no. Whenever it comes. comes. Sure. Yeah. And in terms of that feature, are you thinking that it's going to be something that you write? I'd rather just find the great script and make it. From the producing perspective? Or no, from, from the directing. directing. Oh, yeah. Find a book to adapt or something like that. I think there are better writers out there. I think I'm a great producer and good director, and that's where I want to start <laughs> with the first movie. We'll see. I'll let you know in a couple uh, of years. That makes sense. Um, I guess in terms of like going forward, what are you hoping? Do you have an understanding of where you want Hayden 5 to grow? Or is it kind yeah. of in a place where you like it? No, no, we absolutely want to grow. We hope to have a couple, you know, a show on the air. Maybe you're about to make a big deal with the movie. You know, we want to have a couple, if we can do a couple creative things a year, I'm very fortunate in the first place to even be able to entertain doing stuff like that because we have created this other business that helps us, you know, do everything else. So I think where we'd like Hayden 5 to go, we want to be a really cool, small development production company. We want to have an indie film a year and a show on the air a year. 
that's the dream. Mm. Man mm. with a cam, we can see that being around, you know, for the yeah. rest of our lives, we hope. Yeah, when you say show, what exactly is in mind when you say that? Because that can be so many things. A TV show. Of what kind of, like a Netflix show or? Like uh, that'd be nice. That would be nice for sure. We're working with some great, the, the cool thing about having all these people come pitch you stuff all the time is like, sometimes you come across something that no one's heard of and you're like, wow, how come you haven't been able to get this made? They're like, you know, I called all the networks, I cold called the agencies. Like people are so inaccessible at a certain level and mm. we're pretty accessible. Just yeah, send it's us your an advantage email. Right, right now. Yeah, for sure. And there's, there are a lot of diamonds in the rough out there. I think that's has been the key to like Hayden Five's growth is that we will hear anything, you know, some of it we'll make and put money into and see where it goes. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. It's funny. I, I didn't, um, I didn't expect this discussion because I mean, like <laughs> looking at, looking at your work and looking at the website, it isn't readily apparent the amount of things you have going on. In, in a good way, though. Like, sure, yeah. Like, like it, it's fascinating that, I guess it's because you just have so many things going on. Has And it's always been like that, it seems. I guess. One day we're going to write a book called The Green Treadmill, mm. because we can end with this story if you want. We <laughs> always ahead. had to find a way to make money. We always want to do our creative stuff, but we always had to find a way to, to hustle. And we had our little film studio, and we had to do a green screen shoot, and we needed somebody to be walking. And like, what do we do? The green treadmill. So we ended up finding a treadmill on Craigslist. I love Craigslist to this day. For like 30 bucks. Painted it green, used it, put it away. And then word got out that we had this green treadmill. It was like literally a $30 investment. And we stripped off the top and like couldn't have taken more than an hour to like prep it. A couple hours. Then we started renting the green treadmill to other green screen studios. Like we were the guys with the green treadmill. And we were charging like 500 bucks a day for the green treadmill. We made thousands and thousands and thousands on a $30 treadmill. And that's it. I, yeah, that's uh, and in in summary, uh, Todd <laughs> Todd Weissman Jr. You gotta hustle, man. Yeah, no, that's great, man. Thanks for saying that. It's uh, it was very interesting talking. To you. Likewise, brother. Thanks. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs>